you have your Bible with you or you'd like to use one in the back of the pew in front of you, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, the New Testament book of Galatians chapter 5. This morning we will focus on two verses, verses 13 and 14, but we will kind of survey the entire book. We're going to go on a little trip this morning as we look through the book of Galatians. And as you're turning there, allow me to just share with you, uh, this summer we're going to do something that I'm very excited about. Last summer, we took the entire summer to take a journey through a section of Psalms, uh, and we're going to do that again this summer. Starting next week, we are going to look at the first nine or so Psalms for the next several weeks as we take a journey through that wonderful book, and I, I hope it will be a blessing to you. So would invite you to come next week as we begin that journey. But this morning, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 14, and think about together the drive to serve. With all that in mind, let's read these verses. This is the word of the Lord. Paul writes, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you have heard this before about me, but when I take a trip, I like to do everything I can to get there quickly. When I only had three young children, we took a 10-hour drive to New Mexico, and I believe we stopped once. So this morning, as we take a trip... We are going to get there quickly. I'm going to go straight to the point. This is what Paul is trying to show us today. True faith in Jesus drives you to serve like Jesus. If you truly belong to him, the spirit will move inside of your life in such a way that you will serve like your savior. Now, as we go on this trip, we have three stops in our itinerary, the first stop, the first point that I'd like to share with you is the one road to freedom. The one road to freedom. Look again at verse 13, the beginning of it. Paul says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Last week, as we finished our section in Mark, we talked about the opposition that we have to face when we live on mission. We live in a world of darkness and hostility. Persecution arises, and, and we may be tempted to think this is a new phenomenon, that this is a part of the modern culture and just the way the world is moving. But this is not new. 1 Peter 4, verse 12, Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This is normal. We see that in Galatia. This book is one of the earliest books written in the New Testament. It's less than 20 years after Pentecost. And Satan is already trying to take the church out. False teachers have come to Galatia and are twisting the gospel story 20 years later. According to them, faith in Jesus is not enough. It's good. It's a good start 
but you also need to follow the law of Moses. Specifically, they were coming to Galatia and telling people they had to follow the Mosaic laws of circumcision. Now, how many different ways, friends, have we seen this kind of lie creep into the church, that faith in Jesus is not enough? We hear it lots of ways. You need to pray this prayer this many times, and God will make you right. You need to give this much money, and then God will forgive you. You need to do this. You need to do that. Jesus plus something. And friends, so many of us fall into this trap and we believe that we can make our way to God. Galatia buys it. And when they do, Paul cannot believe it. At the beginning of the book, in chapter 1, verses 6 to 7, he says, I am astonished that you were so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Look, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. There is only one gospel. There is only one road to freedom. And what Paul is showing us is you can't get down that road on your own. That's actually what Paul is saying here in chapter 5 in verse 13 when he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. That word called means chosen to receive a special benefit. I don't want to get too technical with the grammar here, but it's passive. What that means is we don't call ourselves. We don't choose ourselves for the special benefit. The very idea of calling contradicts the notion that you can save yourself by some work. And Paul warns anybody who would try to do that and try to earn God's favor. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, he says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of law and do them. You want to try to work your way to heaven? You want to try to follow some rules to get to God? then you have to do all of them, all of the time, with no mistakes. Now, can you do that? Can you live up to that burden? Friends, the good news of the gospel is you don't have to. God makes you right by himself, by his grace, through his Son. That's why Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says... Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Jesus has done every work necessary for you to be right with God. That's why he lived a perfect life, a perfect, righteous life of obedience, and why he died on the cross for you in your place, and why he rose again to conquer death, the penalty for our sin, so that all you would have to do is put your trust in Jesus. Friend, have you gone down that one road to freedom? If you've never turned to Christ in that way, do so today.
repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And brothers and sisters, if you belong to him, Paul says he calls you to what? He calls you to freedom. Paul is emphatic about this. If you look back at verse 1 in chapter 5, he says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. He's not the only one. Jesus is emphatic about this. In John 8, verse 36, he says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We like that, but what does it mean? And we're going there, but the first thing you need to know, brothers and sisters, is the pressure is off. The burden no longer rests on your shoulders. When you trust in Christ, friend, if you belong to Christ, you are right with him. Can can you hear that? No matter what you've done this week, no matter what you've done this weekend, no matter what you've done this morning, if you belong to Christ, when God looks at you, he sees holiness. And so you are free from having to prove yourself. But before you hear that and run too far, Paul shows us another way. The second stop on our itinerary. Paul shows us the two roads to slavery. The two roads to slavery. There's two of them, and you need to know which one to take. Look at verse 13 again. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. When we hear the word freedom, it's like we've turned on the radio and the old Rolling Stones are playing. And we sing along with them. I'm free to do what I want any old time. I'm free any old time to do what I want. Some of you guys are singing. Paul knows that this is a potential reaction to his letter. And so he knows that we hear freedom and we think it means no restrictions. Nobody to tell me how to live my life. I'm free to do what I want. And so the first thing Paul does after showing them freedom is warning them against making a wrong turn. There's two roads to slavery. The first one is the flesh. He says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now get this, you've got to see this in the text. I'm not making this stuff up. The first word after freedom is a command. The first thing Paul says after he tells you that you're free is he tells you what to do. Only do not. And what does that say? Listen, right off the bat, it shows you that freedom does not mean no restrictions. That's not biblical freedom. Paul is saying, don't misunderstand. Freedom is not a free pass. 
Freedom is not a springboard for self-indulgence. Freedom is not a loophole for license. Freedom is not a green light to go and do whatever you want. But how many times, brothers and sisters, do we operate that way? I'm free in Christ. I'll talk the way I want. I'm free in Christ. I'll eat what I want. I'm free in Christ. I'll drink what I want to drink. I'm free in Christ. I'll watch what I want to watch. I'm free in Christ. I'll date who I want to date. I'm free in Christ. I'll marry who I want to marry. I'm free in Christ. I'll sleep with who I want to sleep with. I'm free in Christ. I'll spend my money the way I want to spend. I'm free in Christ. I'll spend my time the way I want to spend. I'm free in Christ. I'll do what I want. If you always do that, if you always operate based on how you feel, if you always follow every impulse, if you always do what you want, are you really free? Brothers and sisters, that is not freedom, that is slavery. Galatians 5 verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So you tell me you belong to Christ. What that means is when you put your faith in him, in Christ, your sin, your flesh, is put on the cross with Jesus, crucified. The gospel tells us that we are not free to drive back down that road as if it never happened. And put all of that flesh back on. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7. God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. So our freedom includes some restrictions. But Paul has a surprising word for his readers. And some of you will not exactly be ready for this road. The second road to slavery is love. Look again at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That word serve literally means to perform the duties of a slave. The slave metaphor is used to describe a Christian over 70 times in the New Testament. Romans 7 verse 6 But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Do you see the paradox in this verse? F.F. Bruce writes, freedom cannot be exercised in isolated independence. We think freedom and independence are the same thing in America. Biblically, they're not. God frees us from our slavery to sin so that we can be slaves to each other. Some of you right now are the, oh, no, sir. I'm not a slave to anybody. I'm a free man. This is a free country. I'm not anybody's servant. Brothers and sisters, biblically, everyone is a servant. You either take the road of the flesh or you take the road of love. And you don't believe me? 
Let me demonstrate. No matter how you came in this morning, you entered this room, you entered this building as a servant. Walk with me through our routine, if you would. When you arrived, how did you park? Did you get the best spot as close to the building as possible? Or did you get the best spot to exit the parking lot as fast as you could? Did you get the spot that you always park in? Or did you purposefully park further away from the door in case a visitor came and needed to park? Or someone who could not walk as well had a shorter trip to the door? When you sat down in your seat, how did you sit? Well, some of you are good Baptists, and you sit in the same seat that you always sit in. And you don't talk to anybody until ever. And you are here so that you can receive some songs and a word from God, and then you're gone. Or did you not sit so that you could go introduce yourself to someone new in the room? Or spend a moment of fellowship with a brother and sister to pray for someone who you haven't seen in a while. How did you sit? How did you sing? Colossians 3 tells us to sing to one another. Do you sing based on if the song resonates with you, if you like the style, if you know it well? Or do you sing knowing that your voice serves the brother and sister next to you as an encouragement and a way to lift them up? When you pass the offering box, how do you give? Based on what's good for you? Based on how you feel? Or with love and sacrifice for the betterment of God's people? When you leave today, how will you leave? As fast as you can so you can get the best spot for lunch? So you can go watch the game? Or will you linger and take time to invest in a brother and sister, to give them an encouraging word for the rest of the week. Go pull up Bob Dylan's gospel album and play the first song. He'll tell you the same thing. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. question is not if you are a servant. It's what kind are you? Brothers and sisters, think of your Savior. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Brothers and sisters, while we served ourselves, Christ came to serve us. He did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. How do you think we best look like By being slaves of love.
Now, can you imagine what this place, what this family would look like if that's who we were? 1 John 4.11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, we, be, we may be asking a lot here, but that's why Paul, in the last stop on the itinerary, points us the one direction home. Look at verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to stick with me for just a second. I'm going somewhere. But throughout the book of Galatians, Paul states that we are no longer slaves to the law, that we're free from the law. But then in verse 14, you see, Paul says that our love fulfills the law. Now, is he contradicting himself? What, what does it matter? We're free. Is he speaking out of both sides of his mouth? Friends, the gospel tells us that the spirit that frees us from the law empowers us to do the law. The one that frees us from the burden moves us in such a way that we end up fulfilling it anyway. This is the argument later on in the text. In chapter 5, you'll see in verse 18, he says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. But then in verse 22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Faith in Christ that provides freedom produces fruit. That's the full good news of the gospel. And it's the part we miss when we take our freedom the wrong way. The Christ that frees us from the law gives us his spirit so that we can serve like him. And when the Holy Spirit enters our life, everything changes. The obligations that we once had become the opportunities we now have. The burdens become blessings. The duties become delights. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of his work in our lives. He's the one who equips us with gifts to build up the church, to better the body, to serve one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, All these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one, each believer, individually, as he wills. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you have? If you are in Christ, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And he gave you specific gifts to serve his people so that he could empower you to fulfill the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor. That's what he's given you. How is he calling you? Can you think with me about that? He didn't give you your freedom to just go do what you want. He gave you your, your freedom so that you could serve. How? How will you use your freedom? Let me give you some suggestions. If you know where he has gifted you, start there. If you see a need, serve there. Even if it's not your particular gift. 
Some of hear this, listen, do you see room for improvement? Do you see a, a gap in our service? Do you see something that's missing in the body, a need that needs to be taken care of? Brothers and sisters, hear me. Be the one who steps in and becomes the solution. There's no spiritual gift in pointing out problems. There's a spiritual gift in serving and stepping into them. But this isn't just for the church. It's for the road. How can you use your home? Friends, you know the church isn't this building, right? I don't know if y'all are with me. Do you know when you leave you're still the church? How are you going to use your home this Memorial Day weekend? It's not about you. How can you use your home? How can you use your grill? How can you use your table to serve the people and be the church? How can you use this summer? Summer is free time, right? How do you use your freedom to be a slave of love? How do you use your car? When you're running errands, how do you combine that with the fact that you're called to serve your neighbor? Brothers and sisters, serve isn't just what we do. It is our DNA. It is who we are. Are. 1 Corinthians 10 24, let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. Now, just let me remind you, I'm not encouraging you to do these things so that you could be right with God. I'm not commanding you to do these things so that you could hopefully be saved one day. But because we have been saved and we have that love of Christ because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and has gifted us and empowered us step into that and serve you were called to freedom use that freedom to show people the Savior who set you free true faith in Jesus drives us to serve like Jesus. Let us pray.